Chapter thirty three of the Man in the Iron Mask by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Patterns During all this time, the noble mob was slowly heaving away, leaving at every angle of the counter either a murmur or a menace, as the waves leave foam or scattered seaweed on the sands when they retire with the ebbing tide. In about ten minutes Moliere reappeared, making another sign to D'Artagnan from under the hangings. The latter hurried after him, with Porthos in the rear, and, after threading a labyrinth of corridors, introduced him to Monsieur Persarin's room. The old man, with his sleeves turned up, was gathering up in folds a piece of gold-flowered brocade, so as the better to exhibit its luster. Perceiving D'Artagnan, he put the silk aside and came to meet him, by no means radiant with joy, and by no means courteous, but taken altogether in a tolerably civil manner. "'The captain of the king's musketeers will excuse me, I am sure, for I am engaged.' "'Eh, yes, on the king's costumes. I know that, my dear Monsieur Perserin. You are making three, they tell me. Five, my dear sir, five three or five tis all the same to me my dear monsieur and i know that you will make them most exquisitely yes i know once made they will be the most beautiful in the world i do not deny it but that they may be the most beautiful in the world they must first be made and to do this captain i am pressed for time ha <laughs> ah, there are two days yet "'Tis much more than you require, Monsieur Perserin," said D'Artagnan in the coolest possible manner. Perserin raised his head with the air of a man a little accustomed to be contradicted, even in his whims. But D'Artagnan did not pay the least attention to the airs which the illustrious tailor began to assume. "'My dear Monsieur Perserin," he continued, "'I bring you a customer.' "'Ha, <laughs> ha!' exclaimed Perserin crossly. Monsieur le Baron de Vallon de Bressieux de Pierrefond, continued D'Artagnan. Passeran attempted a bow which found no favor in the eyes of the terrible Porthos, who from his first entry into the room had been regarding the tailor askance. A very good friend of mine, concluded D'Artagnan. I will attend to Monsieur, said Passeran. But later. Later? when when i have time you have already told my valet as much broke in porthos discontentedly very likely said passeran i am nearly always pushed for time my friend returned porthos sententiously there is always time to be found when one chooses to seek it passeran turned crimson an ominous sign indeed an old man blanched by age monsieur is quite at liberty to confer his custom elsewhere come come Perserin, interposed d'artagnan you are not in a good temper to-day well i will say one more word to you which will bring you on your knees monsieur is not only a friend of mine but more a friend of monsieur fouquet's ha ha exclaimed the tailor that is another thing then turning to porthos monsieur le baron is attached to the superintendent he inquired 
I am attached to myself, shouted Porthos, at the very moment that the tapestry was raised to introduce a new speaker in the dialogue. Moliere was all observation. D'Artagnan laughed. Porthos swore. My dear Perceret, said D'Artagnan, you will make a dress for the baron. Tis I who ask you. To you I will not say nay, Captain. But that is not all. You will make it for him at once. Tis impossible within eight days. Then that is as much as to refuse, because the dress is wanted for the fete at Vaux. I repeat that it is impossible, returned the obstinate old man. By no means, dear Monsieur Passerin, above all, if I ask you, said a mild voice at the door, a silvery voice which made D'Artagnan prick up his ears. It was the voice of Aramis. Monsieur d'Herblay, cried the tailor. Aramis, murmured D'Artagnan. Ah, our bishop, said Porthos. Good morning, D'Artagnan. Good morning, Porthos. Good morning, my dear friends, said Aramis. Come, come, Monsieur Passerin, make the baron's dress, and I will answer for it you will gratify Monsieur Fouquet. And he accompanied the words with a sign which seemed to say, agree and dismiss them. It appeared that Aramis had over Master Passerin an influence superior even to D'Artagnan's, for the tailor bowed in assent, and turning round upon Porthos said, go and get measured on the other side porthos colored in a formidable manner d'artagnan saw the storm coming and addressing moliere said to him in an undertone you see before you my dear monsieur a man who considers himself disgraced if you measure the flesh and bones that heaven has given him study this type for me master aristophanes and profit by it moliere had no need of encouragement and his gaze dwelt long and keenly on the baron porthos monsieur he said if you will come with me i will make them take your measure without touching you oh said porthos how do you make that out my friend i say that they shall apply neither line nor rule to the seams of your dress it is a new method we have invented for measuring people of quality who are too sensitive to allow low-born fellows to touch them. We know some susceptible persons who will not put up with being measured, a process which, as I think, wounds the natural dignity of a man. And if perchance monsieur should be one of these... Corbeuf! I believe I am, too. Well, that is a capital and most consolatory coincidence, and you shall have the benefit of our invention." but how in the world can it be done asked porthos delighted monsieur said moliere bowing if you will deign to follow me you will see aramis observed this scene with all his eyes perhaps he fancied from d'artagnan's liveliness that he would leave with porthos so as not to lose the conclusion of a scene well begun but clear-sighted as he was aramis deceived himself porthos and moliere left together d'artagnan remained with percerin why from curiosity doubtless probably to enjoy a little longer the society of his good friend aramis as moliere and porthos disappeared d'artagnan drew near the bishop of vannes a proceeding which appeared particularly to disconcert him 
A dress for you also, is it not, my friend? Aramis smiled. No, said he. You will go to Vaux, however. I shall go, but without a new dress. You forget, dear D'Artagnan, that a poor bishop of Vannes is not rich enough to have new dresses for every fete. <laughs> said the musketeer, laughing. And do we write no more poems now, either? Oh, D'Artagnan, exclaimed Aramis, I have long ago given up all such tomfoolery. True, repeated D'Artagnan, only half convinced. As for Passeran, he was once more absorbed in contemplation of the brocades. Don't you perceive, said Aramis, smiling, that we are greatly boring this good gentleman, my dear D'Artagnan. Uh-huh, murmured the musketeer aside. That is, I am boring you, my friend. Then aloud, well, then let us leave. I have no further business here, and if you are disengaged as I, Aramis... No, not I. I wished. Ah, you had something particular to say to Monsieur Percerin. Why did you not tell me so at once? Something particular, certainly, repeated Aramis. But not for you, D'Artagnan. But at the same time, I hope you will believe that I can never have anything so particular to say that a friend like you may not hear it. Uh, no, no, I am going said d'artagnan imparting to his voice an evident tone of curiosity for aramis's annoyance well dissembled as it was had not a whit escaped him and he knew that in that impenetrable mind everything even the most apparently trivial was designed to some end an unknown one but an end that from the knowledge he had of his friend's character the musketeer felt must be important on his part aramis saw that d'artagnan was not without suspicion and pressed him stay by all means he said this is what it is then turning toward the tailor my dear Pesseran, said he i am even very happy that you are here d'artagnan oh indeed exclaimed the gascon for the third time even less deceived this time than before Pesseran never moved aramis roused him violently by snatching from his hands the stuff upon which he was engaged my dear Pesseran, said he, I have near hand Monsieur Lebrun, one of Monsieur Fouquet's painters. Ha! Huh, very good, thought D'Artagnan. But why Lebrun? Aramis looked at D'Artagnan, who seemed to be occupied with an engraving of Mark Antony. And you wish that I should make him a dress similar to those of the Epicureans? answered Pesseran. And while saying this in an absent manner, the worthy tailor endeavored to recapture his piece of brocade. "'An Epicurean's dress?' asked D'Artagnan in a tone of inquiry. "'I see,' said Aramis, with a most engaging smile. "'It is written that our dear D'Artagnan shall know all our secrets this evening. Yes, friend, you have surely heard speak of Monsieur Fouquet's Epicureans, have you not?' undoubtedly is it not a kind of poetical society of which la fontaine loret pelisson and moliere are members and which holds its sittings at saint mande exactly so well we are going to put our poets in uniform 
and enroll them in a regiment for the king. Oh, very well. I understand. A surprise Monsieur Fouquet is getting up for the king. Be at ease, if that is the secret about Monsieur Lebrun, I will not mention it. Always agreeable, my friend. No, Monsieur Lebrun has nothing to do with this part of it. The secret which concerns him is far more important than the other. Then, if it is so important as all that, I prefer not to know it, said D'Artagnan, making a show of departure. Come in, Monsieur Lebrun, come in said aramis opening a side door with his right hand and holding back d'artagnan with his left faith i too am quite in the dark the request appeared on reflection so exaggerated so ridiculous so monstrous to monsieur passerin that he first laughed to himself then aloud and finished with a shout d'artagnan followed his example not because he found the matter so very funny but in order not to allow aramis to cool at the outset i appear to be hazarding an absurd question do i not said aramis but d'artagnan who is incarnate wisdom itself will tell you that i could not do otherwise than ask you this let us see said the attentive musketeer perceiving with his wonderful instinct that they had only been skirmishing till now and that the hour of battle was approaching <sighs> let us see said Passeran incredulously. "'Why, now,' continued Aramis, "'does Monsieur Fouquet give the king a fete? "'Is it not to please him?' "'Assuredly,' said Passeran. D'Artagnan nodded assent. "'By delicate attentions, by some happy device, "'by a succession of surprises like that of which we are talking,' the enrollment of our epicureans admirable well then this is the surprise we intend monsieur lebrun here is a man who draws most excellently yes said percerin i have seen his pictures and observed that his dresses were highly elaborated that is why i at once agreed to make him a costume whether to agree with those of the Epicureans or an original one. My dear monsieur, we accept your offer and shall presently avail ourselves of it, but just now, Monsieur Lebrun is not in want of the dresses you will make for him, but of those you are making for the king. Perserin made a bound backwards which D'Artagnan, calmest and most appreciative of men, did not consider overdone, so many strange and startling aspects wore the proposal which aramis had just hazarded the king's dresses give the king's dresses to any mortal whatever oh for once monseigneur your grace is mad cried the poor tailor in extremity help me now d'artagnan said aramis more and more calm and smiling help me now to persuade monsieur for you understand do you not <laughs> eh not exactly i declare what you do not understand that monsieur fouquet wishes to afford the king the surprise of finding his portrait on his arrival at vaux and that the portrait which be a striking resemblance ought to be dressed exactly as the king will be on the day it is shown oh 
yes yes said the musketeer nearly convinced so plausible was this reasoning yes my dear aramis you are right it is a happy idea i will wager it is one of your own aramis well i don't know replied the bishop either mine or monsieur fouquet's then scanning percerin after noticing d'artagnan's hesitation well monsieur percerin he asked what do you say to this i say that that you are doubtless free to refuse i know well and i by no means count upon compelling you my dear monsieur i will say more i even understand all the delicacy you feel in taking up with monsieur fouquet's idea you dread appearing to flatter the king a noble spirit monsieur percerin a noble spirit the tailor stammered it would indeed be a very pretty compliment to pay the young prince continued aramis but as the surintendant told me if percerin refuse tell him that it will not at all lower him in my opinion and i shall always esteem him only only repeated percerin rather troubled only continued aramis i shall be compelled to say that to the king you understand my dear monsieur percerin that these are monsieur fouquet's words i shall be constrained to say to the king sire i had intended to present your majesty with your portrait but owing to a feeling of delicacy slightly exaggerated perhaps although creditable monsieur percerin opposed the project opposed cried the tailor terrified at the responsibility which would weigh upon him i to oppose the desire the will of monsieur fouquet when he is seeking to please the king oh what a hateful word you have uttered monseigneur oppose oh tis not i who said it heaven have mercy on me i call the captain of the musketeers to witness it it is not true monsieur d'artagnan that i have opposed nothing d'artagnan made a sign indicating that he wished to remain neutral he felt that there was an intrigue at the bottom of it whether comedy or tragedy he was at his wit's end at not being able to fathom it but in the meanwhile wished to keep clear but already percerin goaded by the idea that the king was to be told he stood in the way of a pleasant surprise had offered lebrun a chair and proceeded to bring from a wardrobe four magnificent dresses the fifth being still in the workman's hands and these masterpieces he successively fitted upon four lay figures which imported into france in the time of concini had been given to percerin the second by marshal d'honneur after the discomfiture of the italian tailors ruined in their competition the painter set to work to draw and then to paint the dresses but aramis who was closely watching all the phases of his toil suddenly stopped him i think you have not quite got it my dear lebrun he said your colors will deceive you and on canvas we shall lack that exact resemblance which is absolutely requisite time is necessary for attentively observing the finer shades quite true said percerin but time is wanting and on that head you will agree with me monseigneur i can do nothing 
then the affair will fail said aramis quietly and that because of a want of precision in the colors nevertheless lebrun went on copying the materials and ornaments with the closest fidelity a process which aramis watched with ill-concealed impatience what in the world now is the meaning of this imbroglio the musketeer kept saying to himself that will never do said aramis monsieur lebrun close your box and roll up your canvas but monsieur cried the vexed painter the light is abominable here an idea monsieur lebrun an idea if we had a pattern of the materials for example and with time and a better light oh then cried lebrun i would answer for the effect good said d'artagnan this ought to be the naughty point of the whole thing they want a pattern of each of the materials mordieu will this perceran give in now perceran beaten from his last retreat and duped moreover by the feigned good nature of aramis cut out five patterns and handed them to the bishop of van i like this better that is your opinion is it not said aramis to d'artagnan my dear aramis said d'artagnan my opinion is that you are always the same and consequently always your friend said the bishop in a charming tone <laughs> yes yes said d'artagnan aloud then in a low voice if i am your dupe double jesuit that you are i will not be your accomplice and to prevent it tis time i left this place adieu aramis he added aloud adieu i am going to rejoin porthos then wait for me said aramis pocketing the patterns for i have done and shall be glad to say a parting word to our dear old friend lebrun packed up his paints and brushes perceran put back the dresses into the closet aramis put his hand on the pocket to assure himself the patterns were secure and they all left the study end of chapter thirty three recording by john van stan savannah georgia